A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to Desert Island Discsters. That was not your with, joke. Not, was it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. The last one. No, it wasn't. I never made that joke. It's terrible. You absolutely <laughs> made that joke and it took all there was inside me not to say Desert Island Dicksters, but I've said it now. I'm Rosemary McCabe and I'm joined by my sister, Beatrice McCabe, who I am finally, after a long, long, many years of wishing, casting her way to a desert island on her own where I'll never have to see her again. Oh yeah, I forgot to think about what I'm going to bring with me. Okay, go. Well, you better think about it now. Beatrice, how are you doing? Great, thanks, Rosemary. How are you? I'm good. What is your current earworm before we get started, just out of interest? What? What's your current earworm? What's the song that gets in your ear and won't get out? Oh, that's a gross expression. You, never, you honestly never go on the internet. How have you never heard that phrase? Maybe I have. Maybe I have. Have you got a sweet Oh, God, tooth? that is it. Okay. It's Every true. time I want you to stop talking, I'm just going to raise my hand. Okay. And you can ignore it, as All you right. always do. Okay. So for starters, tell us, has music always been a big part of your life, do you think? Well, Rosemary, great you should ask that question. Yes, it has. Um, I have great memories of you serenading us all just use your normal voice this is my normal voice I have great memories of you serenading us all no I actually was trying to find could you not find it I didn't actually really look that hard for it but no I couldn't find an immediate version of it but no I couldn't find an immediate version of it Um, that was the song that I sang every confirmation and communion and they must have all thought I was such a pain here's this one again you know, the call and response, isn't that what it's called? I have to say, as somebody who was several years below you, <laughs> I did find whoever got chosen to sing painful, mostly because I wanted to sing. Yeah, no doubt. But there were two or three girls in my year and the year below who always got chosen to do that during the masses and I would be hating them. I mean, it was a bit unfair that like one person got designated the singer. I actually think I sang, 
I sang some song on the radio as well at one point over the phone. I've forgotten about that. Over the phone? Yeah, I was like made to sing it over the phone. This is putting my Adrian Kennedy phone joke all in <laughs> to shame. I mean, when I was in primary school. So yes, music has always, I've always been like in the choir, singing, had my voice trained, operatic style, just like you did. Um, but I think we, our family, our extended family is very musical. We have a lot of musicians, like professional musicians, not mm. not me, but no, true professional musicians. Our cousin Abigail is an amazing, she's like the Prince of Ireland. She can play everything. She composes. She's won tons of grants and bursaries mm-hmm. and had her music played in the National Concert Hall. So she's amazing. Our cousin Blaze is an amazing pianist as well as an amazing artist, head record. exceptionally annoying. But apparently our um, mom always talks about how her own mom like could play anything on the piano, had a great oh, really? ear. Yeah. And you're very good at the piano, but I, I did the piano. Remember, did they have a piano in their house, Granny and Grandpa? I, I don't know, but apparently mm. she could play anything. Anyway, she didn't even need to practice head record. I did piano under duress. I was never good at it. I just never had like great coordination. Some the trait that has followed me into my adult life. Yeah, I don't think I was ever very good at it either. You were good at the jazz piano. You actually were. You had like good rhythm. The minute I start with the mm. rhythm, I it's like I'm like I'm into it I'm, it's like that time I went jogging and I was like I'm finally feeling the endorphin release and went around a corner like enthusiastically and tore my kneeiscus only you <laughs> could be talking about music and then suddenly like it's like the time I went jogging it's you true the weirdest segues what are some of your earliest musical memories at home I'm feeling great here thanks well mom and dad listened to a lot of vinyl and a lot of CDs as you said but back in the day like, we have tons of records at home mm-hmm. and they were always you know, listening to, like you said, the Beatles, but Elton John, um, I got very into Ella Fitzgerald when I was younger. And I remember I used to actually sing that when I worked in Marnie. I used to sing that the whole time, kind of unconsciously in the um, atelier where they made the handbags. And eventually I went in one day and they were all like, here she is, the singer. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so a lot of a lot of that kind of music. But dad also likes... I think dad's very into, and mom too, but dad to a greater extent, he's always very into not analyzing. Now, that would be giving him too much credit. That's a step too far. Yeah, but he does talk a lot about the poetry of people writing songs. And mainly he expresses that by saying, where's the poetry gone nowadays? Back in the day, songs meant something. He was very into um, American folk traditional music, like as in sung by Joan Tabor, etc., but one of my favorites that I still play and that still cheers me up is Jake Thackeray, who is hilarious, kind of a comedic folk writer and great narrative, but just very witty. And, you know, there's a dark side to the humor that I appreciate. And this song that you've chosen is called La Di Da. I actually think it's very romantic also in a weird way. Now we're agreed that we're in love We'll have to face the la di da Now that you've brought up romance Were there any songs that you particularly associate With times of falling in love Or heartbreak or longing? Well I'm glad you asked that question Rosemary Because yes you'll be surprised to know That during my extremely reserved Genuinely extremely reserved teenage years Although when I joined DYTW theatre I think I came out of my shell a bit but I was very shy and I remember my very first song that I would think was a romantic song that I don't think you'd associate it with it was by Pearl Jam uh, Jeremy and this was one of the this was an album that I was given to me on my I think my 14th birthday by 
two male friends of mine and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, I can't believe you had male friends who gave you presents for your 14th birthday. Well, like, I mean, maybe I was 15, but they I didn't get any male friends you know until I was about 20. Rosemary, you know the way Four. I'm like, I went to Turkey when I was 12 and I was actually 18. I was probably like <laughs> 19 right now. It was a birthday anyway. They gave me my first CD, I remember. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then I listened to it and put a lot of like romance against it that didn't exist. Then I think Desiree was for anybody of my generation, um, I'm kissing you oh, from that the, Romeo yeah, and Juliet soundtrack. Romeo and Juliet soundtrack was a big deal, right? So listen mm-hmm. to that. Swooned a lot in my bedroom. Also listened to a lot of the Juliana Hatfield three spin the bottle, which was kind of more um, a rebellious phase, but was a bit like I hate everybody, kind of grungy. That was my my so called life phase. But then oh, yeah. um, the when I went through, shirts. yeah, after I left college, I moved down to Kilkenny for a year and met my first serious boyfriend who then dumped me by text a year later when he was supposed to be coming. He was supposed to be driving down from Kilkenny that night to come out with me and I was waiting at home for him and he dumped me by text. I mean, it was a messy relationship. It was not, it was doomed from the start, as they say. But uh, I then on repeat, and you can attest to this, between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. every night doing my degree, this was in fourth year, doing my degree um, project down in the basement, I then played Beverly Night, Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, bawling through my loud singing. (laughs) 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. is a conservative estimate. I would say it was more like the minute you got home from college (laughs) to the minute you went to bed at 2 a.m. So it could have been 4 p.m., could have been 6 p.m., could have been 7 p.m. I remember bringing you down, being instructed to bring you down cups of tea because you were working in the studio downstairs, like next to dad's workshop. That sounds fancy now. It was the like makeshift studio, right? Oh, yeah. Like our parents, their house is two story, but the bottom level was meant to be a lot of things and is now like the utility room and the garage and the workshop and has very like bare unplastered walls and there's a room that was meant to be the sauna that just has an old dining room table in it like they had really mad notions dad had notions having a sauna notions I know sure has he ever even been in a sauna no he hasn't has he I don't think he has I don't think he has either he just really thought he'd like probably would love it he likes to be warm Okay, so tell me, after college, you moved away as quickly as you could, left us all behind. I think I was, you know, I was talking about having a work ethic with a friend of mine this morning whose 13-year-old son is applying for a job. She's like, I don't know if he's too young. And I was like, I worked when I was 13. I was dying to work. Mm. And maybe that gave me a good work ethic. Maybe you just have a good work ethic or good or bad, I should say, strong work ethic. Or maybe it's not about being good or bad because it's not always a good thing to be working obsessively and like not going home, you know. No, that's true. On yeah, time, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It's good to have balance. And also you can be working hard and not working well. But I think you were that's working true. well and hard to be clear. Well, regardless, I think that, you know, it's important to have your priorities straight and you mm-hmm. don't always have them straight, especially at the beginning of your career. Anyway, I moved straight to Italy and I knocked on doors and I handed in resumes that no doubt were put in la poubelle. Oh no, that's French. And finally I got a job and then I got another job in Milan. I got a f- my first job in Bergamo and I got this job in Milan and I, I was working at Marnie in the accessories department. I kind of doing a bit of everything. I was doing technical drawings. I was designing accessories, prints, jewelry, making a lot of these things as well because everything was made on site for the first, like for the sample round before it went into production. And I went to my very first ever fashion show, like proper runway show. And of course, you know, it was like stand at the back there. If there's any room there's any breathing room at the back like stand at the very 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 back and crane your neck and try to see you know oh, yeah but the excitement of it like I remember the first runway show that I went to and I wasn't even you know it was nothing to do with me I hadn't designed anything 
it was just I was invited and I was so excited to be there and to see it all like it must have been amazing to be there and to know that you were actually involved in the creation of these things yeah it was made I mean it was super exciting I was I actually watched it there recently when I was looking for the music oh really yeah I watched it again I was like is that me down the end but I don't I think I was like out behind the photographers I remember though truly being exhausted like we'd been up until 3 or 4 a.m. for the two weeks prior to this you know and I remember we had Mm. to get up we had to get to wherever the show was because it wasn't where our offices were so we had to figure out how to get there you know and like it's not that it wasn't that easy I remember because it was early and we'd be there at like the crack of dawn to get people ready etc I was about to say were you involved in dressing were you backstage like, yes. dressing the models and then we were very unceremoniously kicked out of backstage and told to like go and find somewhere to watch it from and it was the first time I think that I ever realised that how a fashion show comes to life is so different from how the pieces actually look individually like how they're styled and how the look is brought together you know very often you see these reviews like oh amazing and I never really understood you know, the, the clothes are so impeccable. And I'd be like, what the hell? They look like scarecrows. And like they have these mm. stupid things wrapped around their waist. But that's all, you know, really the styling kind of for the effect or the mood of the show. Yes, yeah. But the pieces themselves, when rearranged and hung on hangers and shown then afterwards in the showroom, are very commercial and kind of understandable. But yeah. how they're put together is such an art in and of itself. And the music selection, it was the first time that I ever really thought. Now, I had my own runway show in NCAD, but it was the first time that I ever really understood kind of about the theatre of a runway show or a fashion. You know, even I'd mm. had my own fashion show, like my own part in the NCAD fashion yeah, of show. Course. I don't know that we were consulted about music. I, th- I think there was a lot of involvement. And to be, to be clear, like I don't remember all of it. I just remember the model selection, you know, but the mood, like the storytelling is so strong and this song um it wasn't the first time because we've been playing it around the offices but this music by scala which is a girls choir and they take modern music and they the kalachny brothers i think is how Mm -hmm. you pronounce it they Mm -hmm. rearrange the music to be choral but it still has a really modern feeling but this was the first time that i'd ever kind of seen that come to life with the clothes on a runway and all of it come together and it was amazing What a moment. So from Milan, you then moved to Paris. And what brought you there? Well, I went there to work for Galliano, for John Galliano, who was working at the time at Dior, had his own line. And I went with Julie, my friend, and partner at the time, like work partner. (laughs) Everybody always thought we were a couple. And I was like, be great if we were a couple. We got on very well. You know, we had a Mm. great time. I was like, this would be easy. But we weren't a couple. We were a work couple. And uh, we lived together. We had a great time. And we went to Galliano to do accessories. They didn't have any handbags or jewellery or anything at the time. So we started that for them. So we did kind of everything. It was a bit of a trial by fire, but it was amazing. And it was super theatrical. And we lived, we bought a, an apartment there together in um, on Rue Oberkampf in the 11th arrondissement. And it was just such a great time. We went to all kinds of gigs. We were out. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, could I actually stay up until 5 a.m.? and get up at 8 a.m. go, go to, to work. work. I probably could, like, if I had no kids you and no probably constraints. Could. I don't think I could anymore. I'd be delighted with myself. Like, I go to bed now about 1 o'clock and I get up at 7. I remember one time drinking two bottles of wine in my house in Dublin, going to bed at about 4.30 and waking up at probably 10 to go to work for 11. When I worked the Irish Times, I worked late, later shifts. And I was almost dead. Oh, sorry. I'd be living my best NA life right now. I couldn't oh, do it yeah. with a glass of wine in me. I mean, I was even thinking, how did I ever go to the gym? after drinking anything oh, the yeah. night before. Yeah. You know, it makes a massive difference to me, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, fair play to you if it doesn't to you. And when they invent those, 
when they invent that hangover eradication pill, I'll be the first in line. Be delighted. But anyway, um, we went to lots of gigs. One of the best ever was uh, Roisin Murphy. I was obsessed with Roisin Murphy at the time. Roisin Murphy, Matthew Herbert, like kind of her. I was obsessed with the fact she was so stylish, Irish, so creative, like such an, an amazing representation of Irish creativity, I think, out mm, there in the mm. global music scene. And it's funny because I think when you start to look into things, you see, as I was putting this list together, I was putting Matthew Herbert up and I was putting other people up. And then I was seeing, you know, music between Matthew Herbert and Roisin Murphy. And you don't necessarily see yourself as having a type of music. Yeah. But I started to see a lot of collaborations. And then I picked another song from Verve Remixed at one point, which didn't make the cut. Also had a Matthew Herbert remix on it, which was the song that I picked. And I was like, there's something here about like experimental sounds and not techno exactly, but like alternative. No, that kind of dance. Yeah, yeah alternative yeah. dance. But I don't love it when it gets too far into that world. I like it when it's still kind of pushing the boundaries and sort of has that fusion with jazz. It's a little bit more eclectic. So anyway, I loved her. I can't remember all of her songs, but um, she was amazing live as well. Oh I think yeah, she's she an incredible you- live performer. And it is almost like seeing theatre, like the costume changes, the dancing, the coordination between her and her band and her dancers is just incredible. I don't know that she had backup dancers. I think it was just her when we saw her in Paris, but we saw her twice and we honestly would have gone anywhere to see her. She was amazing. So from Paris, you moved to New York, then Dallas, then Fort Wayne, from Europe to America. Was it a big culture shock for you? When I said it before, but the biggest shock to me was just that everybody spoke the same language and that I just felt I went from having a busy life, but a rather calm life, because I think it's like living in the countryside, you know, where you hear the bird sounds and you hear noises, but it's quite serene. And I think when I lived in Milan and I lived in Paris, It felt serene to me because I could easily tune out any noise around me. And I feel like my life there was calmer, even though it was really hectic, because I just could choose to like switch that radio station to not listening, not not trying to comprehend a foreign language. When I moved to the States, I just couldn't believe like the the volume of English that I couldn't help yeah. but understand. The like, conversations that you were forced to hear left, yeah. right and centre basically. I just couldn't turn it off and I that found that really a hard adjustment for about six months. Like I really felt very, very stressed with noise overload or like whatever that whatever that term is, you know. But also, I mean, obviously the Americans are extremely outgoing and mm-hmm. loud, mm-hmm. not in a just a volume way, but like, you know, they just engage in, a lot. In a they personality a way, yeah. yes, yeah. And I just found that very exhausting. Like you're always on. There's yeah. no like, oh, I'm, I'm going over here to work quietly. Don't disturb me. Don't disturb me. And the other thing that I found bizarre from a working perspective was everybody emailed. Now now everybody's used to that, you know, Slack. and But even Slack is more responsive than emails. And everybody would email. Like if I was sitting here across the table from you, it would be like, please advise if you have this rope of nylon instead of, hey, Rosemary, which to an extent is okay because you're not disturbing me by interrupting me, but the emails would be, I had a thought, I am emailing you. Not, I am going to email you once in the morning and once in the afternoon and collate all of my questions. I wonder if a part of it was kind of subconsciously to have a record of every interaction that was related to work. Do you know what I mean? There's an element of that. But I mean, everybody did. It was more of a cultural Mm, thing mm. that just, nobody stood up to go and talk to anybody. And I was like, I'll just ask them, they're around the corner. So the offices ended up being quite silent then, I'd imagine. Other than people being on the phone. 
No, everybody would be talking to everybody else at oh. their desks, you know, but they just wouldn't get, they'd be talking about stuff, about like what they're working on or, but they if they had a question pertaining to delivery times, you know, whatever, they just wouldn't, they would just email it. So That's I found so that a weird, weird cultural yeah. thing, but I did really appreciate, you know, the energy of New York. I loved it. I loved like just the accessibility of everything, the walkability, although the snow was shocking to me. But New York was amazing. Although, you know, I did go to a lot of performances, but now I'm like, strugg- I struggle to remember them. I feel like there were a lot of smaller club, perform- like smaller performances with clubs. I did go to one Irish performance. My friend Carrie's, oh, I think I actually made her come. She tells me now, although I, in hindsight, I brought her to like an Irish night out. And I'm I making was, a horrified face. Uh, no, well, it said like singing by, you know, Fanula McFlaherty. And I was like, oh, this would be great. I was horrified. We got there anyway. Hi, I'm Fanula. I'll be singing some beautiful Irish lyrical songs tonight. And I was like, what? The apps. And then it was like, when I was in Ireland, I went to Dingle. The and they audacity. sang this song. Yeah. And then she was dressed up like, you know, ringlets and all. And I was raging. Oh. But Kerry loved it. Kerry was like, this is lovely. I was like, <laughs> I want to leave now. And is there any music that you particularly associate with that time in your life or that you think of when you think about you now being in America? You know, I think there were a couple of bands that I came to or like that I played a lot, but they weren't necessarily new to me. Like I played a lot of Feist. I think when I lived in New York, I was super into her. And Don is also a musician. So I think a lot of the time, the aural space in the house was taken up with him playing very loud metal music Mm. and also us having kids, you know? So I don't remember, I don't feel like that was a great phase of musical discovery for me per se, Um, But when I moved to Indiana, I started listening to music again, more for myself. You know, there was a lot of listening to music for the kids and watching TV for the kids. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. I started listening to music more for myself because I think um, when you have a short commute as well, I used to listen a lot to music on the radio in the car and kind of discover it that way or, you know, via friends. And then when I moved, I was more isolated. Like I didn't really have any friends when I first moved to both Dallas and Fort Wayne. Like I was, you know, starting again. Yeah. So I started kind of making a concerted effort to find new music, you know, to listen to, if you like this, recommending this and listen to a lot of stuff that I didn't enjoy. And then also did a lot of research when I was at Vera Bradley because I was managing the creative team, creative marketing team. So we needed like to find a lot of music for spots, for ads, for, you know, online, just for events, things like that. And I found, um, I mean, it wasn't new, but one of the things that I was watching, I was trying to figure out... um, a spot for TV and I wanted to do like a lot of movement with product moving around and somebody recommended I think it might have been Don recommended I have a look at OK Go so they're a band from Chicago Illinois and what's amazing about them I mean I like some I like most of their music I wouldn't say it's necessarily groundbreaking but some of it's I like upbeat music I really got Mm -hmm. into Jacob Collier as well um, over the last couple of years again kind of experimental but just very happy. One of the songs that I loved from him was Sleeping on My Dreams. And I watched the video and I was like, this just puts me in a good mood. And OK goes a bit like that. So I watched um, I Won't Let You Down. And what's unique about them and their videos is that they do these really long kind of choreographed, very involved videos that they often just do in one long take. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so they're actually amazing to watch. So I showed this video a lot. Like I've used this as a demonstration to the teams about, you know, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm like, what can you do? Look at this. Could you do anything like this? It doesn't always have to be, you know, we don't have editing skills and we don't have this, but like, can you use a bit of ingenuity and can we think a little bit differently? Can it just be, things can be entertaining without always having to be like super high tech, you know? Yeah. And, um, but the thing about this particular video, and I just, it's amazing. But at the end, I'm always crying. I find it so uplifting that I 
always cry at the end of it. You cry because you're so happy? Like, yeah. You are ridiculous. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com As we all know now, you have four kids. There is no way you have managed to get this far without being sucked into the Paw Patrol soundtrack, the Disney shuffle. Tell me about some of the songs that you listen to for the sake of your children. Well, there's a lot of Minecraft, right? There are a lot of Minecraft songs. Uh, yesterday we heard The Boy is a Minor. I can't even remember. But Bo's like, whoever it was was cursing their head off. But I was like, this is the wrong version. <laughs> But there's a particular song who was recommended that there's a particular song that was recommended to me by a friend of mine in Dallas who has two boys of her own who are now, I think, like 12 and 14. Oh, hang on. So the kids didn't even discover this themselves. You introduced them to it. Well, it was introduced to them in her house. And she said, Beatrice, she's actually very, she's very nice. She's very relaxed. She's Swedish. She goes, Beatrice, you have to let your kids enjoy. Every kid loves this song. And let me tell you. I played this playlist for the kids and I said, this last song is high culture and it's for you. It's your favorite song. I said, I played it for you all the time when you were younger. Bo goes, is it classical music? I was like, it isn't, Bo. It's called Up But Coconut. And let me tell you, if you manage to play this for a child and that child does not beam the biggest smile, also the video is hilarious. This is a song that honestly, so, so annoying, but your kids will love it. <laughs> And it's very apt for a desert island, I have oh, to yeah. say. But coconut, up, but coconut. 
coconut up butt coconut up your butt with a coconut up butt coconut Beatrice thank you so much for that we're going to cast you away now onto a desert island hopefully never to be seen again what one book are you going to bring with you I'm going to bring The Theory of Bastards by Audrey Shulman I should have been able to guess that (laughs) I I should have guessed actually Audrey Shulman or Margaret Heffernan oh no no I couldn't take Margaret Heffernan I'm never going to work again if I'm on this desert island yeah Um, and I don't need to be feeling irate about men there are none around I might take you know um, you only get one you've already chosen yeah no I know but I might I might also consider like Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice you know Wuthering Heights oh yeah yeah I might consider one of those but I think I'd end up with Theory of Bastards just to remind myself to keep a good eye on the monkeys because bad things could happen if I ever forget that they're not human. Okay. And which of your songs, which one song would you take with you to listen to over and over again while you while away the hours with your feet in the sand? Well, I should probably take Dream On because it would be relaxing. But I mean, I might get depressed then on the desert island by myself listening to this kind of long lament. Beatrice, you are definitely getting depressed on this desert island, <laughs> let me tell you. And I might take I Won't Let You Down, but I feel like then I'd be wrecked just dancing to myself, <laughs> laughing and crying. It'd be just this like roller coaster of emotion. I couldn't take Up But Coconut because I'd truly go mad. I think I'd have to take La Di Da to hear somebody kind of talking to me and be like, I'm not alone. And Aww. people are annoying because in, in that, like it's a reminder, maybe I'm better off on the desert island because some people are annoying. That's a beautiful note to end on, Beatrice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to Not Without My Sister. You can get us on Instagram at Not Without My Sister. Email us notwithoutmysis at gmail.com and support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash notwithoutmysister where you can give us a little tip for $2 each month just to let us know that you like the podcast and you want us to keep doing it. Or you can get extra episodes, extra content and all of your regular episodes ad-free and one day early by signing up at patreon.com slash notwithoutmysister. From my desert island, goodbye. Now we're agreed that we're in love We'll have to face the la-di-da The eyewash, all of the fancy pantomime I love you very much Not Without My Sister is recorded in studio in Fort Wayne by Don Kirkland who also wrote our theme tune and the original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.